0: Okay, it's day nine, we're upstairs at the Old Red Lion Theatre. Uh, This morning we're going to chat about last night's game, Argentina-Croatia, because we didn't get a chance to record a podcast after the game, Uh, and also the Brazil-Costa Rica game, which has just finished. Let's kick things off with Argentina. Um, I managed to miss this game, unfortunately. It's the the second one of the tournament I've missed so far, and it sounded like a corker. 3-0 Croatia, goals from Rebic, Modric and... Rakitic, arguably the usual suspect, uh, but I think I'm just going to hand straight over to you, Alex because I have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going to chuck straight to me? Okay, how Most this. bizarre game of the World Cup so far. <laughs> I'll and ask leave you. Me I'll ask try. you a specific question and see if it makes sense for the game. Yeah. Okay. Given that I didn't watch it. Okay. Were Costa Rica any good? That's a different team. <laughs> That's a different team. Uh, I think you should just go. <laughs> Croatia wasn't it yeah Croatia okay Croatia were good Croatia mm-hmm. were really really good um, with Brozovic uh, Rakitic and Modric playing ahead of him I, I did wonder whether Brozovic would be able to play that anchoring role um, because he has tried to do it at Real Madrid a few times when Casemiro has not been available it's not really worked out that well for him mm. but it was okay here and it did allow Modric and Rakitic to run the game which they did uh, Uh, Modric's goal obviously was great but I think actually Rakitic possibly had overall more of an impact in terms of game management, ball control having said that, obviously what everyone's talking about is Argentina Mm. being bizarre well let's start with them, Philippe Um, you mentioned to me this morning that uh, Argentinian television uh, held a minute's silence last night after the result Uh, we had an interesting chat this morning about the different way uh, that South American fans enjoy, or sometimes don't enjoy football, compared to 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 uh, to Europe. And um, what 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 did you what do you make of all that? I
1: find it slightly torturous. <coughs> I'm, I'm basing this off. I've got one very good friend, Tiago, who's Brazilian, mm. uh, and there's a, a few others who I know are, are football fans. I just find it more torturous. I think this is a massive sweeping generalisation. Obviously, mm. as well, no, no, go I, ahead. Yeah. I, I find that um, South American mentality tends to be we will just win, there's yeah. no There's no chance, that you know. That this it's inconceivable that their, term, their team won't win, this, no, no matter who they're playing, no matter what the stature of their club is, well, yeah. I always find uh, possibly European fans, fans, even just there's a little inkling that we might lose this, yeah, be right. it, as a Leicester fan, it's a lot bigger than it might be for you as a Manchester United fan, mm. but yeah, well, I find with South Americans it's just so unacceptable mm. and it, it must be really difficult, because if you... Fully expect something to happen.
0: Yeah, heart on the sleeve stuff.
1: Yeah, you're really setting yourself up for a massive fall. I don't know, I I suppose a lot of uh, reaction, quite bizarre reaction that you find in South America seems to be quite alien in that respect. Mm. I I suspect kind of derives from that kind of huge level of expectation. We've had that in England, less so perhaps now. Um, I think in instead of a minute year.
0: silence, they'd probably just have a minute of lambasting, have the pundits all gather together and scream uh, horrible abuse at the team, <laughs> maybe yeah, it would be so, more English.
1: So I guess that could that could look weird to others as well, I guess. Well,
0: with that in mind, Alex, then, uh, a minute silence, 3-0, it was an extraordinary uh, result. Yeah, it was bizarre. It was set on the way by a, a terrible goalkeeping error from Caballero, who decided that he wanted to try and dink it over Antti Ravich. Mm. Um and didn't um, Rebic controlled it superbly and finished superbly, but the tone was really set, I think, from from selection, which was as idiosyncratic as we said in our group stage preview videos. Argentina could be. Mm. Um, I don't know whether this was a reversion to the sort of system that he wanted to use, I and mean, as, as I said at the time um, when we discussed this previously. I I watched four Argentina friendlies prior to this World Cup to try and work out what Argentina were doing and they played a different formation effectively every single time. Mm. In this, we had Otamendi as the only recognised centre-back in a back line of three flanked by genuine full-backs Mm. and in the case of um, Tagliafico, someone who plays as really quite an aggressive wing-back almost when he's playing at Ajax, Mm. You then had Mascherano and Perez, but Mascherano was actually pushing up quite a lot and dropping back a lot. And Perez, I didn't really work out where Perez was at any given moment. Mm. You then had wing-backs either side of that, one of whom is actually a winger. And then Meza, who was there, I think, to try and engage the Argentine press, Mm. but seemed a lot of times just to kind of get in Messi's way or give the ball away a lot. Um, they just didn't have a clue. Yeah. I, and I know I know that's sounding like a really kind of Roy thing to say. Mm. Like, oh, they just rubbish. But there wasn't a structure there. There wasn't a cohesion. There were a few times in kind of transition, when maybe when Caballero was taking a goal kick, that you could see a shape to the side, mm. which was a 3-4-2-1. The rest of the time it was just chaotic. Yeah. Um, And it's not really a surprise that against a Croatian side with two really, really superb, controlling, ball-playing midfielders that that they just got torn apart. Okay, Well, I suppose... um, It's difficult to analyse it because it was so... Argentina was so chaotic and so lacking in shape and coherence that you can't really analyse that. No. You can just say they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Or well, that's really the impression that was given. Well, I don't know, Sampali may have sent them out with a really complex set of instructions yeah. and it just all went horribly wrong. I What's this know. doing for his managerial career? Oh, I, mean, it, he's, I mean, he's come out and said he's taken full responsibility. He has to. Um, it was such an enormous change from the way they set up in the first game that you can understand that the players were confused. There's talk on Twitter, apparently coming from reasonable sources like Fox Sports, that he might even be replaced ahead of the game against Nigeria, mm. which they have to win. Incidentally, that source I believe was the same source that released um, the formation last night, which they did actually play which today. They did, so yeah, absolutely spot on. Fairly credible, yeah. then, isn't it? I, I would think so. Um, you know, he's he's done good things with with Chile. I, I wonder whether. Chile had perhaps a a greater degree of of flexibility in that squad players that were able to buy into the system certainly he had a longer period of time in charge Mm. so he could implement those ideas Um, here it just seemed like he was trying to force a set of principles that he's adhered to as a kind of Bielzista for quite a while on a group of players who weren't getting it some of whom weren't up to it, Mm. and then he would sort of step back from that and go to a more conservative formation, and that wouldn't work either because the players were still trying to work out what to do from last time, and it's just been a joke, really. Okay, well, Iceland-Nigeria is coming up, so perhaps what we'll do is uh, pop back to this game and chat about it after the next game of the day because that would give us some inclination of what Argentina do or don't have to do to uh, secure progression or any kind of hope for getting out of the group now. So instead, let's chat about Brazil, Costa Rica, um, and that was a very interesting game. It looked like it might be the tournament's first nil-nil all the way up to the late eighty-eighty minutes. Um, I, certainly, there was a vibe in this room, at least, that uh, we were enjoying the fact that Brazil were finding it difficult to score. On perhaps Brazil is, is that's too broad enjoying the fact that Neymar was finding it quite difficult (laughs) to score. Um, And I have to say, one of my favourite moments of the tournament so far uh, is when the referee went over to the VAR station and came back and did not give that penalty. Um, But I mean, we saw the better Brazil, I suppose, in the end. Coutinho again popping up with the goal, as he did in the first game. Neymar's uh, goal at the end has made no difference, really, but uh, I suppose it will take a lot of pressure off of him in particular, because if that game had finished nil-nil, uh, it would be very easy to point the finger at Neymar, wouldn't it? Yes. I and mean, he didn't do himself any favours. He, uh, no, he didn't. I mean, he actually he actually played reasonably well. Mm. Um, I think there were probably a few instances where he maybe took the ball on himself longer than he should have done, um, and and ran off into a cul-de-sac that was. Really, pretty well patrolled, particularly by Gamboa, but also Acosta moving across um, onto that right hand of of Costa Rica's side. Um, but he just he's just a petulant, nasty little man. I think <laughs> nasty always sounds way worse than swear words. I think. Well, uh, I mean, he he tried to he tried to get that penalty. That yes, that initially the Costa Rican player went to touch it. There's no point in rehashing it, because I'm sure everyone's seen it, but Neymar anticipated a a thing that didn't then happen and went down with this ugly little face. He looked like Willem Dafoe in Platoon. Yes, (laughs) yes, kind Mm. of, like that. Um, And and I think, you know, there were a few other moments where he was, you know, there's a spite to the way that he plays. Mm. Um, I think in terms of... There was a moment when the referee... uh, came over to an incident that happened, a Costa Rica player had been fouled and was on the floor. Neymar was sort of insinuating that the Costa Rica player should get up. The referee went to sort of put a hand near Neymar's chest to, you know, back him away from the incident and it looks a lot to me like Neymar was saying, Don't touch, don't touch Oh yeah. And and there was also a bit where um and and Damien, our host, popped upstairs and said the same thing as mm. as I'd observed that that he was mouthing obscenities mm. towards um uh, a Costa Rican player, right in front of the ref, right in front of the ref, wow. and you know, and on the yellow, it's not for dissent. Whereas if you look at, you know, you look at the way that Coutinho played that game, you look at the way Gabriel Jesus played. Yeah. You know, there's, um, the, the, it's a bit cliché to talk about the kind of the right spirit or whatever, and you know, Costa Rica were not above a bit of shithousing themselves, yeah. but if you are the better more technically capable side than to see not a desperation to win manifested positively Mm. in terms of attacking intent but manifested in terms of of niggle cheating complaining whinging Mm. it's just it leaves quite a sour taste and i think i think it's interesting that you know this is a tournament that once again albeit quite tediously is being dominated by this kind of um you know the big individual talismans of teams so yeah. it's that very dull Ronaldo versus Messi debate Neymar's obviously up there as well you know mm. these are the three best players in the world yeah and so far for Harry Kane for a, for, and Harry Kane obviously <laughs> and Chris Marston um and really the only one who's coming out of it with with genuine credit at the moment is Ronaldo yeah um Messi I have a lot of sympathy for mm. because I, I think he must have just looked around him last night and thought what is going on here mm. but Neymar is absolutely not covering himself in glory no um, well, let's so, talk about some of the changes that were made um, and have a look at Brazil from a tactical point of view. Uh probably to, what we're here for, rather yeah, I than just so. bitching about people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt it was getting, uh, from my perspective, a, bit personal. a little bit too harsh on yeah. Neymar there. I've let the, what's happened is it's day nine of the World Cup, folks, and uh, I've absorbed almost completely into an emotional blob, just dithering around on the floor, uh, full of hatred. And, uh, Machines come off. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, well, as we say that... Uh, the television ahead of us is on mute and it seems that there's a sporting event even sillier than the World Cup. People it's, and it's, horses wearing... What are they doing? It's Ladies Day at Ascot. Right, OK. Do they? Yeah, all, everyone's wearing hats. I, I quite want to find out who won the 305, actually. OK, I well, there we go. Somewhere. How interesting. Don't do that yet, because I'm going to ask you a question <laughs> first. Um, you can do those. I uh, can multitask.
1: Unimportant things
0: later. Uh, there were a couple of changes in the second half that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Douglas Costa came on... Um, He looked very good as well They took Willian off at half-time I didn't see much of him in the first half But the discussion at half-time was because Most of the play was going down the left Which is, again, what we saw in the second half Although Douglas Costa did make more of an impact in the game And also, they took off Paulinho And replaced him with Firmino That was one I wanted to ask you about Because Mm. I didn't quite get that substitution Although, arguably, it worked Yeah, so they're both they're, They're both understandable changes Um... Douglas Costa is there there have been some articles written that I've read that are quite interesting about what does um I don't even know how to pronounce the Brazilian manager's name. chi 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 Okay, Chi Chi. Um, what does Chi Chi do if Neymar's having an off day or if Neymar's really well marked? Mm. And the idea of who is Brazil's other game changer. Mm. Ah. So far, actually, it's been Coutinho, but there's a strong argument in in Brazil, and based off his uh, performances in Europe, that it's um, Douglas Mm Costa. So, Willian is a much more uh, defensively disciplined, arguably tactically intelligent player, Mm -hmm. who maybe sometimes against that kind of really packed defence doesn't quite I mean I'm a big William fan I really like him but mm-hmm. he doesn't offer quite the same dynamism and stretch of the game that Douglas Costa does mm. so that that change did make sense I think what was interesting the second one that you mentioned uh, uh, Firmino coming on Firmino Firmino I keep doing that um, and effectively in that instance Brazil kind of went to a man city Style um, setup where yeah where Casemiro is is the Fernandinho mm-hmm. um, fullbacks pushing nice and high but also tucking in Fagner particularly from the right was tucking into central midfield a little bit to to make up the numbers if required Marcelo obviously getting very far forward as he does mm-hmm. Firmino is not actually a bad kind of slightly an eight slightly a ten player Mm. because when he's at Liverpool he does drop off quite a lot and link the play from the midfield three to the wingers cutting inside Mm. um he's capable of holding the ball up he's he's quite big and strong so if he comes under pressure in that midfield area he's not going to have to dribble his way out of it necessarily he can hold the player off before he plays the pass Mm. um he obviously presses well, which is quite helpful slightly further back too. Yeah. And it meant that Brazil could push him uh, and Coutinho further up into those kind of, um, again what the Spanish call interiors, what, what they did, what Spain did as well actually against Iran. Mm. Um, push those two central midfield players really quite high up into the half spaces around the opposition box And try and control the play up there Mm -hmm. with one guy who is very capable sitting back and defending which is which is how man city play too Mm. and yeah ultimately it kind of told on costa rica that that constant pressure kayla Avas played very well made a number of good saves really really harshly singled out by the commentary team for feigning an injury after he got a, a head in the Back of the head in, in the jaw, his, in his windpipe and jaw. Yeah, and that looked painful. So, oh, good goalkeeping, bad play acting. Yeah. It's like they obviously hadn't watched the replay. Yeah, um, they were too busy making jokes, too busy lolling. Yeah, finding memes. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I, I think that's that's shaping up to be sort of Brazil's plan B, probably. Um, I'm sorry, I've lost you because the Royal Ascot horses are coming up, and there's one called Main Desire, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but not main spelt in the pun way, as you'd imagine. So, Maine. Sioux Nation's likely going to win this one. Listen, we don't want to talk seriously about the Royal Ascot. I'm just laughing okay. at names. Invincible Army. Sands of Mali. Okay. Emblazoned. Yeah.
1: I like Heartache.
0: Heartache. Do you feel
1: That's <laughs> That says a Maine, lot.
0: Maine Desire. Surely you have to spell main M-A-N-E, to make it a horse pun.
1: I quite like it. Yeah. Sure. So all
0: of these names have to be submitted to the jockey club for approval. Are they really. And <laughs> Which ones don't get approved? Do you think? Uh, basically, if if the name refers to a living person and doesn't have their permission, yeah. If the name is already taken by another horse, or if it's crass. or used to belong to a really really famous horse, right? Uh, or yeah, if it's insulting. Actually, so that's interesting because there was loads a name and loads of names get. Well, there was Bush one back. on here that was called uh, "Now You're Talking." which is so common a phrase that I'm surprised a horse hasn't already been named that yeah what a silly name for a horse did they used to be called things like Harold um no no <laughs> what, what were they called in uh, 50 years ago oh, I'm trying to think of It's like, like
1: courage Roger things things like like big
0: ones yeah uh, Man of War he was, he was a big one down in the mines except it was Man O War Man um, O War I know I yeah, recognise that name Valor um, and things
1: like that yeah
0: Valor. those sorts of <laughs> references Speed, to Speed Heft Princesses. <laughs> <and> sure, <yeah. laughs> the princess doth runneth. Yeah. yeah. In the olden days. Hey, listen, this is horses. We're not interested in We're that. We're not interested in horses. Um, Brazil, in horses. Serbia are going to be a walkover for sure. So what is the other... Group? I've lost it completely. today. What's the other team in that group? Switzerland. Swiss- yeah. yeah. Switzerland, yeah. Switzerland, Switzerland Serbia play Serbian today. No? Yeah, They're playing today. Uh, so we'll be watching that shortly. And perhaps what we'll do again, uh, as with the uh, Argentinian team, is come back... After the final game, and we can chat about that group going forwards into the third round of games as well. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's your heartache, Phil. Uh, what a lovely buttocks! Ooh,
1: yeah. It's got hearts on the buttocks. It does have
0: hearts on the buttocks? The last one on was sired by um, the Hounds <laughs> <laughs> of Hell. <laughs> I, <just laughs> I, I of it. okay. Well, I happen to be quite interested in horses. Well, your brother gonna, is a horse. Yeah, but that's show junk. Right? Horse. He's an actual horse. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Scat Daddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this, one, this one's
0: sire is this, 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 this called Scat Daddy. Cool. And uh, obviously he shit out a real prize winner here, guys. Scat Daddy. Yes, yeah. good joke. Any takers? I don't, I think that means... The their, their hefts are incredible, aren't they? They really are muscular, these uh, horses. Yes. No, they're not just the irregular run-of-mill horse. These right. are the kind of they're not. I mean, they'd be wasted running at the mill, wouldn't they? They need to be running on a track. Yeah, I mean, they're, at they're only allowed day. outside generally for for at most like an hour a day. I'm surprised. They're they're so they're valuable. Still allowed to call it Ladies' Day. Um, in these times, that seems a little. Um,
1: it's a pretty conservative uh, crowd there. I think. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not. I'm not seeing a great deal of diversity as the camera pans along. Well, there's a dress code, isn't there? So I suppose we wouldn't. That's not what I was referring. to. Oh, I see. You mean the sea of whites? Is that what you mean? I mean, yeah. I mean a sea of like middle-aged, rich white people. Yeah. yeah. God, these horses really are pure illusion. This yeah. what Oh, that's the dam. Yeah. That's that's mummy. Yes. Thank you, Alex. Okay. Right. Well, that'll uh, do for. I reckon we should start a podcast just commentating on Ascot <laughs> all, all other weird sports. Yeah. This is well, quite fun not knowing tuned. anything about it. Well, uh, I mean, I can. No, I don't know. That would take the fun out of it. Okay. Yeah. Alright, we'll be back in a bit to talk about the uh, Iceland Nigeria game. That's the Iceland-Nigeria game done and dusted. 2-0 Nigeria, a result I didn't uh, personally see coming. Um, what on earth happened there, Alex? Uh, I, I thought that was going to be a 2-1 Nigeria. Did you? That's what's on my spreadsheet. So you are a bit upset that Gylfi Sickerson missed that penalty then? Yes. Yeah. Well, the reason I say I had no idea what happened there is because I watched the first half an hour of it and then did work. And uh, yeah. for the first half an hour, I still looked like the better side. Yes, they so they they moved uh, Sigurdsson back um, and stuck uh, Budvarsson up front to uh, partner for Bogerson. I assume that's because they wanted essentially to keep their defensive system pretty similar, yeah. but have a little bit more creativity coming out of central midfield. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work yeah. um, because Sigurdsson is not used to playing that sort of defensive role and if you if you look at the Iceland video that we created uh, and published today you'll see what i mean by the the defensive system Iceland use. Yeah. Sigurdsson is is much more au fait with his role as one of the two forward pressers in that system. Mm. And i think that did allow Nigeria to play through Iceland a little bit more. Yeah. Having said that, it yeah. Nigeria won that game because they were better. Yeah. Um, not because Iceland made some sort of mistake. Bless yeah. you, whoever that was. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> Bless you again. Um, Nigeria switched to a, a back three, um, which uh, I hadn't really anticipated happening. Yeah. Um, it allowed Ndidi and Atabo to control midfield, with uh, John Obi Mikel pushing up a little bit more in support of the two strikers, um it made Moses uh i suppose more what he's used to from his Chelsea position, yeah so there was there was the the dynamism up and down that right hand side. they didn't lose out on his ability to get forwards and create uh opportunities, which he did brilliantly for Musa's lovely goal mm. um, better than Ericsson's I think mm, okay um but it also gave Nigeria uh, defensive solidity. Not that Iceland really offered a huge amount going forwards, no. but Nigeria were really impressive, they, they, they kept their shape, um, they were able to adapt to a three at the back with wing backs seamlessly, mm. uh, as if it was their consistent formation, which it's not, yeah. um, so a really, really impressive performance. And smart money's now on Nigeria beating Argentina. Okay. I would suggest. There we go. Uh, well, one, once again, listeners, apologies for the sounds outside. I think a uh, Harley Davidson just rolled out the back of a Chinook out there on the main road. But we are upstairs at the old red line. It's rush hour. Uh, you mentioned there Iceland not uh, giving too much going forwards. Is it fair to say that perhaps this is a, a case of. A, a very, a very effective defensive team coming up, coming up against a team that they need to try and break down and, and try and attack. And you know, Nigeria certainly didn't play to Iceland's strength, did they? Um, no, I mean, well, I suppose. Will they, be, will they be better against Croatia? Do you think? Having seen how Croatia played against Argentina, I, I think Iceland will, will. I'd be very surprised if Iceland didn't go more conservative. Mm. um stick Sigurdsson back into the kind of 4-4, four, 1-1 four, one, one system uh, because they're going to need to combat Rakitic and Modric in central midfield and, and Sigurdsson plus one, even if that's somebody of Gnarsson's ability at ball winning and closing down, that's just not going to work. Yeah, um, I think what Nigeria did was they, Iceland defend narrowly. And compactly, and they try and create as little space as possible um, between their midfield uh, and their defensive lines, and they try and keep it quite tight by swapping to uh, a back three with wing backs. Nigeria immediately gave themselves additional width, width which also Inacho and Musa exploited really well by themselves going into the channels and allowing the wing backs to cut in a little bit. Right. Um, they didn't lose anything in midfield because uh, Ndidi and Atebo are so good in that area Uh that they could go two for two there and not lose anything out Um, and they had a spare man at the back uh, so they weren't really offensively threatened a lot Um, I think it's more an instance of Iceland's strength being their system but four four two, looking vulnerable to a three-man back line because it creates overmatches pretty much across the pitch. OK, well, I suppose one of the positives to come out of this for Argentina is that a Nigeria victory is exactly what Argentina would have wanted. Uh, it means that Iceland remain on one point, gives Nigeria three points. If Argentina can beat Nigeria and hope that Iceland don't beat Croatia, Argentina will likely go through second in the group, so... That will have been what they wanted. However, what that does mean is that Argentina now have a game that they must win against a Nigeria team who, as we've just discussed, looked very strong today. it's, It's really, really difficult to predict what's going to happen with Argentina when, as you say rightly, having referred to the team news leak the day before, that Fox source who's now talking about potentially there being a different coach... Has greater credibility because he got the team right, yeah. assuming it's the same source. So, will Argentina go with four at the back? Will they go with three at the back? It's impossible to say. But will they even go with the same coach? Yeah. Will they even go with the same coach? But what Nigeria have shown here is that they are able to play both ways. Mm. Whether they have enough flexibility in a starting lineup to say, you know, if, if they played. Today's starting lineup and then Argentina came out with a four at the back. Could they adapt? Possibly they could. Um, I you know, maybe one of those centre backs could play as a nominal right back, Moses could push up and they could counter them straight away. So I think Nigeria are in a good situation to be able to work against whatever Argentina bring. Also, you know, they they and Croatia are the two form sides of this group. So they'll be looking at this, you know, a team who are extremely defensively well organised. They are a good side Iceland. Um, Nigeria have pretty much put them to the sword and restricted them to, you know, very, very few decent attacking opportunities and a penalty which wasn't scored. So I think Nigeria will take great confidence from just how much they've controlled this game. And going against Argentina, who are a team in crisis, I don't think that's an overstatement. Mm. Um, uh, Yeah, like I say, I I would not bet against Nigeria to win that game. Well, I'm just looking uh, on uh, Yahoo Answers now, uh, see if I can put up a a quick stat. Yahoo Answers, uh, where people go to die. No, Yahoo Answers. I just uh, asked Google... Uh, has a manager or coach ever been sacked during a World Cup tournament before? I was sure that one had... The only answer I can come up with so far is Carlos Alberto Pereira, the Saudi Arabia manager, in 1998, was sacked after they lost the first two games. They were already eliminated, so Argentina aren't. And I can't see uh, anything else, nothing... I mean, apart from Yulin uh, Lopetegui, who was before the first game, so it does, almost doesn't really count. If Sam Paoli does go, it wouldn't set a precedent, but it would be very, very unusual... Particularly with, like you say, the the contrast there being that, you know, Argentina have a must win game. Mm. There's there's so much ugh, narrative involved in this in terms of it being messy. If this were not a team that had a superstar player that has sort of been mildly in conflict with the manager and seems to have some impact on team selection, all that kind of stuff, this would be. More cut and dried, mm. um, I mean Martin Keown, on commentary among the many stupid things he said, um, <laughs> suggested that Messi should just be left to manage the Argentina team. well, that makes sense um, yeah, so much yeah um, but i I kind of feel like that I mean that wasn't said in jest almost it, yeah. it was a you know there's a sense that that the the influence that he exerts on selection. Uh, potentially even on tactics yeah. although having seen how Argentina set up yesterday it's well, kind question yeah. whether there's an influence there but maybe he's just a really bad tactician could also be that do you, um, think, do you think this is a sort of, sort of a tangent but do you think Ronaldo or Messi will ever be football managers no no they don't need to but no. I mean I could see Ronaldo doing it more than Messi Ronaldo might come back and manage Portugal to a World Cup victory in 30 years time. <laughs> I would love just that. just like he's been on a beach for 30 years and then he comes back out of retirement still looking exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same, yeah. Except just a little bit. And <laughs> he subs himself on at half time and scores a Real screamer. Madrid. Yeah. He, he Real Madrid. Go back
1: and manage Real Madrid, I would say. Right. Rather okay. than Portugal. Yeah. For the slightly more glamorous position. Mm.
0: I, I I suppose the reason I think not is is actually much less to do with Kind of who they are as people or anything, but but positionally, I I sort of associate players that gravitate towards management more as being midfielders or defenders. Yeah, but that There's, isn't always true, though, is it? I mean, it's not always true. Yeah. No, Ferguson was a forward. Was it? Ferguson was a forward. But, yeah, and Clough was a forward. Yeah, but at the same time, from the newer generation, the ones that are kind of coming through, yeah, um, that does seem to be something of a trend, and. You know, well, Arteta, Lampard, Gerard. Yeah, but, the, no, no, but the, these Lampard and Gerard, for example, we can't even count them as managers yet. I realise that they are now in roles where they're managing at a club. Giggs. But Giggs equally doesn't really count. These are players who have not established themselves at all.
1: I would say that you can definitely count um, Gigs's record. He's been in enough positions now and... Well, he's been, he's been... He's two. He was Manchester United manager for okay, only four
0: Four games. Four games. I don't think you can count that. I don't think you count that as a I mean, role. the Neville brothers defenders? The point, the point I'm making... Neville, the Neville brothers? Yeah, they're managers. Phil Neville, fine, is a manager. Yeah. Gary Neville was a manager for half a season at Valencia and didn't work out. The point I'm making is that to earn the title of manager or coach, you <coughs> you, you have to actually be doing... You, you, you can't just get the job based on... Uh, I mean I know you can in real life (laughs) but what I'm saying is we shouldn't be calling Frank Lampard or Steven Gerrard coaches or managers yet because they're in their first senior roles
1: What I would say is I think there's indications of certain players like former players like Gerrard and Lampard who are about to become young managers that you can see at least a certain level of judgement before they've even gone into the role Largely based on the roles that they've decided to take on. Yeah. Now the good examples have been, I think Lampard to de Derby is a very bright move. He's oh. not. So he doesn't think he's that big that you can just go straight into a Premier League club. He's gone to a, mm-hmm. a, a very high, um, a, a big Championship club, but that you know you can already see a lot more working for Lampard there than you can see Gerald at Rangers. Mm-hmm. But I think Gerard has showed a spectacular lack of understanding. We have with Rangers who are not a good club at the minute, but mm. you know, if your first, if you if you see your first role as Rangers being like a, a step stepping stone, that shows a f- fantastic level of lack of um or a, a lot of understanding, yeah, a, of, a lack of judgement. And then if you look at other roles, we like Mertesacker at Arsenal now looks like he's going into a bit more of a coaching role. Mm-hmm. And you can see someone like Mertesacker becoming quite an effective coach yeah. because they're just going, they they're treating it as if they you know precisely what they're doing actually starting a new career rather mm. than just being kind of shuffled up to the top and I would, I would say that's pretty at least you're right we haven't really seen what these guys can do yet but it's a good indication of at least judgement yeah. and understanding the situation which is probably quite a big part being a manager
0: yeah I, I I appreciate what you're both saying I just think that you know Steve Bruce Mark Hughes these people are managers because they've been around for ages and they're a bit shit and a bit good you know and they're and they're, and they're, they're Further away from being footballers than uh, I, can't, I can't express what I mean properly. I'm tired, but I don't <laughs> think we re, we should call Stephen Gerrard or Frank Lampard managers yet. I don't think, even if they technically are, I don't think it's fair to call them that because it could just be a flash in the pan. How many times have we seen it? You know, big big players from the Premier League getting and I yeah I agree that there's certainly better judgment on the part of Frank Lampard to take a Championship job. But in part, you could, make, if you're being cynical, you could suggest that it would be—you'd have to be an idiot not to think that uh, being a big Premier League player and then taking a Premier League job as your first role after ha- seeing what's happened over the last five or ten years in situations yeah. exactly like that wouldn't be a bad idea. You'd have you know, you, to be an idiot not think that. Yeah, you'd. Uh, to me, the impressive former Premier League star in management currently is Harry Kuehl. Mm, right? Who's down at Crawley Town? Yeah, okay, um, who. Crawley Town, not just uh, not very good league two side, like struggling mm. uh, when he took over, and um, he's reinvigorated them. He's worked extremely hard. He's got a good relationship with the local press down there. He's doing, you know, he's cutting his teeth and doing well. Mm. Um, and and he's, you know, he's a big ex Premier League player, sure, uh, Champions League winner, and everything. Yeah. So for him to to sort of take a sensible perspective on just how difficult it is to mm. go into that role yeah. and, and take a um it's not a it's not a downward step because he's starting out a new career as you say, yeah. but it's not such a massive leap as taking mm. a, a top job and and I agree with what Philippe's saying about yeah. Rangers. And listen, I, I don't get me wrong, I want it you know, I'd love it to work out for both Stephen Gerald and Frank Love, but it's nothing against either of those players in particular. Uh I just uh I just don't. Why are you making a face about Phil? What's
1: I, just, that I, would, face about? I, would, I would kind of love to see He's terribly <laughs> oh, arrogant. Yeah. just shows I'm, such a level of arrogance that I really think he deserves to get his. Uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm with Philippe on this. One. I
0: fully support both of them. I just, I just, uh, quit. anyway, this has got nothing to do with the World Cup. We started there uh, talking about the Argentina manager uh, potentially not being in situ for the next game. Although these are mere rumours at the moment, reports from potentially credible or uncredible sources, yeah. we don't know there's Frank Lampard on telly now there he's on telly now, Isn't he's already good. got a job yeah. um, anyway we'll uh, come back at the end of the next game, which I don't know what it is Serbia, Switzerland. Serbia-Switzerland I'm having a, a bad game day for the ages. there we go, and uh, we'll chat about that Serbia 2-1 2-1 two two Serbia, Phil? 1-1 um,
1: one, one. you
0: know what I'm going to say?
1: for (laughs) 3-0 that's exactly
0: what I'm saying 8-7 Switzerland that's exactly what
1: I'm going to say not 8-7 don't be ridiculous you're
0: going for 3-0 Switzerland I'm going for 3-1 again 3-1's my special score yeah Yeah. 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 alright back in a bit you're right right well that was the Serbia Switzerland game not quite what we were expecting although I mean I have to say it kind of is what I said (laughs) it would be one goal shy Uh, goal from Mitrovic for Serbia very early on Serbia looked the stronger side uh, but then, uh, Switzerland Switzerland back. Uh, a goal from Xhaka, and then Shaqiri. Is Shaqiri a Premier League player still? Yes. Is it still at the Stoke? Didn't they just Ooh, get relegated? That's a point. Yeah. Uh, okay. We were saying uh, moments ago, someone made the point that uh, it was a Premier League bonanza. But I believe Shakiri's down in the old doldrums, although perhaps not for long. Oh,
1: no, in the for long,
0: no. wonder where he'll go. Anyway... It was an interesting game, wasn't it? I have to say, I was uh, had my head in my laptop for half of that, so once again, I'm of no use to listeners. Uh, but I'm sure, as usual, Alex and Philippe will be. Philippe, I'm going to start with you, because you expected a draw, and it was very close to being that, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, Switzerland really came out of their shell in the second half. They were very much second best uh, in the first. Yeah. Um, I'll leave Alex to look at the tactical uh, changes that might, that might have happened, but I think there just seemed to be a lot more... Um, Guts and
0: gusto. A lot more, just
1: kind of vim. They looked a lot more like zippy with their passing and also, yeah. with, also with their attacking intent as well. And that's, yeah. and that, that, that's essentially where the goals came from is a very late break from Shakiri. Um, Still had
0: the energy in the 95th minute or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, a, a fantastic performance I think obviously Serbia will feel pretty hard done by in that there was a very strong penalty shout. Right. And that which was basically double tackled, mm. double rugby, rugby tackled. But, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: OK, well, Alex, at one point during the game I heard you describing this Switzerland side as the overrated Switzerland side of FIFA as opposed to the Switzerland side we saw in the qualifiers. Um, I not, may have added overrated. Yeah, not overrated. That Swi- Sometimes I like to are, twist what you're saying. <laughs> Switzerland are consistently highly rated in, in FIFA terms. Um, because of individual players, do you mean? No, no, because of... of overall performance and the way the rankings are done oh um, I thought you meant the computer game
1: no 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 I mean (laughs) in real terms I
0: thought what you were saying was because what happens sometimes in the computer game is that if a team has a number of players of individual talent they're quite highly rated and so what you can find is that sometimes team unusual teams unexpected teams like Switzerland suddenly have a much better team than they actually have in real life because there's no t- team cohesion rating. or Yeah, anything I, d- like I that. don't, I don't play FIFA, so I don't know sure. about it. Well, don't say so disparaging. You do play Civilization Four and Football Manager. Yeah, yeah, damn straight. Uh huh. Um, no, I, I, I suppose the thing, the thing with this um, Switzerland side is that they, they can sometimes seem a bit stodgy, mm-hmm. and they, they seem to rely on Shakiri particularly to fire. Um, and do things, moments of brilliance to, to get them out of... Take a shirt off. And take your shirt off, yeah. I mean, um, I looked up just at the right moment. <laughs> I have to tell you, what um, a bard, a hot bard. But when those players do turn up, um, they're very good. I, I like Akanji, the young Borussia Dortmund centre-back. Right. Um, and I think uh, the goalkeeper, Jan Sommer, is, is a, a good, calm distributor of the ball, so they have the ability to build. I, I think what happened in the, the first half was they obviously wanted to push Rodriguez the the left back up um quite high uh to, to try and support attacks. And Serbia were getting a lot of joy down that right hand side getting crosses in. Um basically it, it seemed almost like Switzerland was saying, you know, we trust our central defenders and our goalkeeper to be able to deal with this and yeah. obviously Mitrovic scored from one of those, nearly scored from another. Um, nearly a penalty, as Philippe mentioned. Well, I mean, it's definitely a penalty. It's it's what happened to Harry Kane twice as well. I mean, right. it seems bizarre that those decisions aren't reviewed. Um, but they persisted with that, and gradually they started to be able to cut um, Serbia off at source on that on the Swiss left, Serbian right, a bit more. Mm. Serbia made some attacking changes after Milivojevic got booked and they started to need to chase the game a bit more they brought on initially it was Lajic for Kostic but then they brought on uh, a winger from Red Star whose name I've Rad Radjonic I think it is Um, and Matic was kind of holding that central midfield position on his own Mm. as Serbia looked to push forwards more uh, and try and (coughs) reimpose themselves on the game right Switzerland dominated possession over 60% um, and I think what happened was as the game got more fractured, the Swiss had kind of absorbed pressure for a while, then they got that great Jacker goal, then they started to go on the front foot as as Serbia pushed forwards, Switzerland were able to counter more effectively and that consistent pressure told right at the end with the Shakiri goal. Well, it's left the group in a very interesting state uh, because the top three teams can still go through. Costa Rica, sadly, zero points so far, so they are eliminated from the tournament. Uh, Costa Rica have Switzerland to play, uh, who you would imagine can win that game, particularly on the strength of uh, today's performance and also their performance against Brazil. And the Serbia-Brazil game is lining up to be a real humdinger Presumably we're thinking winner goes through there. Yes. Yeah. Well one would assume on the basis that it would be huge upset if uh Switzerland got anything less than three points from the Costa Rica game. Yeah. Then But even if they did, not Serbia and Brazil a draw wouldn't see Serbia go through. So even if Switzerland do get a draw, they're still gonna go through. Uh, And you can't imagine Brazil setting up for a draw because that would see them go through. Also, you imagine they'll still go and try and win the game, which could give Serbia some hope of a counter attack. Yes, um, so I think you know there are some very interesting matchups in that game. We were talking about it very briefly um, before recording this. Um, You know, Serbia have got big, strong, experienced Mm. fullbacks. How will they cope with? Brazil's wide players. Yeah, will Brazil stick with Ivanovic Douglas? and Neymar? Ivanovic and Neymar, and and potentially Douglas Costa yeah. getting the nod ahead of William yeah. to try and test Kolarov's pace. Yeah, um, you can see Matic and Milivojevic giving the Brazilian central midfield quite a tough go. Yeah, uh, set pieces will be an opportunity, and Mitrovic you would assume would be handled by Miranda, who. Is a more physically imposing centre back. That's that's not to say that um, Thiago Silva isn't good at that, but Miranda's a lot more no nonsense, mm. and you need that against Mitrovic. He's the door man. He is. You ain't getting in um, no names. So that's not how you say it, is it. <laughs> I think Tadic will find a lot of space behind uh, Marcelo as well. Yeah. So this could be an interesting one. I mean, like I, you know, I said before the game, I I, I thought Serbia would sneak this two one. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that Switzerland were able to win I wasn't surprised I, wasn't surprised. I know you weren't surprised you weren't, you know, I was either. just surprised they didn't score another goal yeah clearly another one a 3-1 stunker um, so I don't I don't think I don't think Serbia will be an easy ride for Brazil at all no if anything, Brazil really didn't convince against Costa Rica. Well, no. And before the group started, I think we all would have pinpointed the Serbia-Brazil game as the most interesting one and potentially the most difficult for Brazil to navigate. So the idea that it's coming down to that, yeah, right, to see either team go through, it's quite exciting. I mean, this group's really shaped up to be uh, a humdinger, as I said. You can't say humdinger twice, can you? you, it's it's not, too, you I don't too think many you times. can really say it once. Well, I said it, I said I mean, it you twice. You have now. said it, so yeah. it's it's happened. But humdinger. no, I, I think. I think we would, or I would have expected both of these teams to have secured progress already. Mm. Um, so, Well, a, the, again, the Swiss are really showing up. They are. They are showing up, mm. yeah. But, the, you know, it's this sort of thing about, uh, and we've said it before many times with, or I've said it before many times, perhaps I'm getting boring, um, tournament football, uh-huh. having a, a game-changing player, yeah. a single game-changing player, in tight games when... There's a lot of games run together and fine margins really, really matter. At this point, if you were a pundit, you'd be saying things like, you're Ronaldo's, you're Messi's, you You know, despite the fact there's only one of each of those players. Right. It doesn't make sense when they say that, does it? Well, yeah, but the, I mean, I think the odd <laughs> thing with Argentina is that they they don't only have one game-changing player. Yeah. They've got a number. That just but they haven't using only got one Messi. Properly. Well, yeah, but there's, I mean... We're talking there at... There can the only audience. be one Messi because he's... The only one. Uh, We're looking at um, Romelu Lukaku on the television right now. Uh, Belgium, of course, are playing tomorrow morning. Mm Perhaps this is a good opportunity to have a think about that game because they're playing Tunisia, who gave England um, a lot of trouble in their first game, and you would imagine can set up similarly to trouble the Belgians, who have a similar starting formation, starting lineup to to the England team. I think it wouldn't surprise me to see... Martinez uh, go for a, a slightly different balance here. Uh, advanced De Bruyne. I think there was no side, or there hadn't, from the stat when I saw it, which mm. I think was a couple of days ago, um, that that StatsBomb had prepared for the FT. Um, no side had a deeper average defensive position than Tunisia had had against England. Right. Um, it seems a waste, given that. Tunisia are likely to do exactly the same thing to play De Bruyne as a deep central midfielder. Yeah. Uh you could potentially make an argument for uh having him there anyway, but allowing him to progress massively, but that might uh, that might cause Belgium to get a little too mm. kind of clustered uh and Tunisia will try and break, and I think potentially having, you know, again. A very defensive game, fine margins, having somebody like a Fellaini in with Wetzel just adds that additional danger at set-pieces, which yeah. might be useful. I'm also we might also see Hazard um, and De Bruyne playing off Lukaku. Right. I'm wondering if um, Lukaku might benefit from the fact that Tunisia were quite brazen with their pulling down of Harry Kane in the first game, whether the referee will have seen that, will be aware of that going into this game. That might give him a little bit of an advantage over Harry Kane. Uh, because I suppose the Trinity players will be less likely to want to do that or the referee might be more on top of it from an early stage Philippe um, I'd like to get a prediction from you for the Belgium game but also you're, look, you're looking forward to the Korea Republic game tomorrow aren't you?
1: Yeah I mean I'm largely to, to watch that Mexico side again mm. I think um, A little bit
0: of Irving, Lo- oh God, Irving Lozano Irving Lozano yeah. Yeah, it, like, I can say the name but I can't <laughs> Just I Trying to, to do too many uh, syllables in one go
1: Very much more so because of uh, Mexico than the uh, Republic, just mm. because you know, I really enjoyed it, that game and found it massively exciting, regardless of the result, mm. something is pretty cool that they beat Germany. Yes, it is. But the same um after having spent a day actually drawing, uh, uh, working on a video to do with to do with Mexico, is like mm. you're good. pumped up. Yeah, it's got me in a good mood for, especially as an opening game. Yeah, um, I think it could.
0: All right. Well, what about um, uh, Belgium, uh, Tunisia? Then what Tunia do you think? 2 0 Belgium. Yeah, okay. So. No hope for the Tunisians.
1: I don't think so. I think you're right that they, um, there's the aspect that Tunisia might not be able to get away with mm. um, the kind of physical game, uh, unlawful physical game that yeah. they deployed against England, because obviously the, the referee and his assistants will be quite wary wary of that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we actually even saw that in the England games. I think if you try a system that essentially kind of works enough times that you will. Get goals, yeah, um, and I don't see why that would be any different with Belgium.
0: Okay, I think there's a just off the back of what Philippe said there. That there, is, there is the one tiny danger for Belgium, which is that De Bruyne particularly doesn't seem happy with Martinez. Yeah, frustration during the course of this game. If Belgium are time wasting, playing yeah. aggressively, you mean Gignac. Sorry, Tunisia. Yeah. Time wasting, playing aggressively against Belgium. Belgium struggling to find a way through. Mm. Will we see De Bruyne kind of retreat into you annoyance? Need your um, and could that cause them some problems? Mm. Well, I, it, what's it, your prediction then? Uh, I think you know what mine's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yours going to be three one Tunisia. Not three one. That's that's nuts. Okay, two one to Tunisia. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay, because that's not nuts. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to go with my gut. One 0 Tunisia. Okay, uh, I'm with Philippe on this. Two 0 Belgium. Okay, well, opposite ends are the shit stick. Big shit stick. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense, does it? But it's the end of the day, guys, upstairs at the old Red Lion Theatre. Hey, if you're in London, do come on down. It's a lovely place. You can get pies. You can see Fringe Theatre. You can watch football. Where else can you do all of that? Unless you're at the World Cup at a Brazil game. There's lots of uh, play acting there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Oh, God. All right, East Enders has started, so that means we'll have to go home. Uh, but uh, chat to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.